Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Peter Gaiman, Professor of Old Testament and Biblical Languages at Shepherd Seminary. This podcast is dedicated to discussing issues related to scripture and theology. For more information, visit petergaiman.com. Welcome back to what is the 33rd episode of the Bible Sojourner podcast. And thank you for those of you who have reached out and been encouraging and thanked me for the episodes that we've been able to do thus far. Lord willing, we'll be able to do some more profitable episodes. And in light of that, with the goal in mind, today we're going to look at wisdom. And when we think about wisdom, Obviously, I'm assuming that any normal individual wants to be wise. We assume that wisdom is important. Well, Proverbs, as it turns out, is a book that's all about wisdom. And Proverbs 4, 5, the father instructing his son, tells his son to get wisdom, to get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. And the assumption there, by the way, throughout proverbial literature in biblical wisdom, the assumption that the parents are teaching their children biblical insights, the law, in other words, how to obey God, how to apply God's truth to their daily life. That's the assumption. So whenever you see instruction, do not turn away from the words of my mouth or do not forsake the teaching of your mother, etc., things like that, the assumption is that the parents are biblically focused, that they are turning the children's focus onto scripture and how to apply that in their lives. Well, Proverbs 4 talks about the importance of getting wisdom. Proverbs 16, 16 says, how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Proverbs 24, 3 says, by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. Now that's just a couple selections from Proverbs. We could go all over and extol the virtues of wisdom and talk about how valuable wisdom is. I don't think there's any debate about how valuable wisdom is. Yet, as we continue on, we realize the importance of wisdom, but one thing that's not too often talked about, and I've been doing some thinking over the last couple months on, is just how to attain wisdom. How does one get wisdom? Because that's obviously the real question, because we can all extol the values of wisdom and how important it is, but, but how do we get wisdom? What is, what's the key issue in that? And in order to think about that and to think through these issues, I want to first point out a connection that's made between wisdom and the fear of the Lord. So wisdom and the fear of the Lord are intrinsically linked throughout Scripture. For example, in Job 28, 28, we are told that, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, even Proverbs itself talks about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of knowledge in Proverbs 1-7, which the knowledge is often a synonym for wisdom throughout Proverbs and other wisdom literature. So all these passages, whether we look at Job, Psalm, Proverbs, uh, other wisdom literature, we see that the fear of the Lord is identified as being the key component in wisdom. Now, when we think about the fear of the Lord, I do want to just make a side note here because this this will apply to a lot of passages uh, that one looks at for the fear of the Lord issues. I think that we would be wrong to say that fear is simply an idea of reverence or respect. I don't think that when we read about the fear of the Lord, we're just saying, oh, make sure you respect the Lord or anything like that. 
I think it would be now, obviously, I think it would be equally wrong to equate fear with some sort of irrational fear of unpredictability on God's behalf or something like that. But I think from the biblical perspective, there's definitely something to be afraid of when you are living inappropriately or living in a wicked way. For example, I just, it comes to mind when we think of the early church in Acts 5, you have Ananias and Sapphira. They lie about what they did, uh, selling or giving away all the money that they received for the land. So God kills them. God kills Ananias and Sapphira. And what we see in Acts 5 is that great fear comes upon the church and everyone who hears of it. So I don't think that's just a, oh, we are respecting God of the church. No, they are saying, okay, there is a cost to be paid for following this God. And he expects holiness. He expects complete devotion, purity, integrity, all of these things. Now, that certainly includes respect. But I think the biblical picture is that it also includes a healthy fear. And, you know, I think you can, I think you can make an analogy to parents. I know when I was growing up, there was a fear uh, of my parents that when I would do something wrong, I would receive just rebuttal for my actions. And so that wasn't an irrational fear. That was a completely rational fear. And it was also a, a knowledgeable fear, knowing that there is a cause and effect, knowing that because of who my parents are, if I act in a certain way, there will be discipline that is involved with that. That's a, that's a very healthy fear to have. And I think that that, if you think about how wisdom literature is portrayed, is actually a big part of wisdom, is that you act appropriately when you understand the fear of the Lord. To put it in very, very plain terms, if you understand that the Lord will punish your sin, you are less likely to sin. I mean, that's that's just a very basic understanding of life. So that's why you're going to be more inclined to act in a wise way because you fear the Lord's judgment because of your sin. And I think that's fine. So just at, a, at its core, we understand that wisdom does have a connection with the fear of the Lord just on the very practical level. But be that as it may, there's also something that we can connect now that we know the fear of the Lord is intrinsically connected to wisdom to how Proverbs describes the pursuit of wisdom. And so to see that, we're going to look at Proverbs 2, where we're basically just told straight out how to attain the fear of the Lord. So when we look at this, the key that we need to zero in on right away is verse 5, because this is the result of an if-then statement where verse 5 says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. So obviously that's the second part, the the result of the if-then. Verses 1 through 4 are the compound if statement. So if you go through verses 1 through 4, what you're going to see is you're going to see the process of attaining wisdom or the process of pursuing the fear of the Lord. And then starting in verse 5, you see the result or how wisdom is promised to those who pursue it this way. So let's look at this in in a little bit more detail. So first of all, in verse one, he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, and this remember, this is an if-then statement, so it's going to continue on with further if clauses. But just by observing this, something I want to remind us of again, something I stated just previously, was that the assumption is that the father's the Father's words and the Father's commandments 
are going to be influenced by God's word, by God's law. So wisdom needs to come from the father, but it's really funneling the influence of the law upon the parents. Now, what this should also remind us of is that wisdom needs to come from outside of us. We are not intrinsic bearers of wisdom. In fact, in Matthew 15, Jesus points out that from the heart, from the inside of man, come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, etc. Inside, we are not good people. Inside, we do not attain wisdom. Wisdom needs to come from the outside. It comes from the Father's teaching and implication-wise, it comes from a proper application of the law. So wisdom comes from outside of us. And in verse 2, we see how one is to pursue or receive that wisdom. Verse 2 says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your your heart to understanding. So this is marked by hifil in the Hebrew, which is a causative verb stem, which means this is not a passive activity, but one that is desired, pursued actively. You're causing it to happen. I just think of an illustration that that I uh, have seen time and time again through athletics. Uh, you can you can take the athlete and you can tell him how to be a good athlete. You can tell him how what he needs to do and where he needs to be, how he needs to practice all these things. But you can't actually make that athlete be into a good athlete. The athlete needs to desire it. He needs to pursue it on his own. So the first part in verse one says that wisdom comes from the outside. You need to receive this, this admonition, this instruction from the father who's also channeling the instruction from God's law, his Torah. But in verse two, you are to receive it actively. You can't just passively sit on your hind end and hope that one day you become, you become wise. And that, kind of leads on to verses three and four because the father really epitomizes this instruction saying you need to desire wisdom. You need to pursue it with fervor. And so that's where three and four really expand on that thought. Verse three, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. So the idea here is that wisdom needs to be pursued with this this zealous fervor. It needs to be pursued actively. Notice the descriptions there. You call out for it. You raise your voice for it. You know, there is, uh, I just think of application. Obviously, I've been thinking about this the last couple months. And one of the things that I was thinking about, even in my own experience, when I am acting not wise at all, is that I refuse to raise my voice and call out for wisdom. There is this thing inherent in human beings, and maybe I'm alone here, but I somehow doubt it, where a lot of times we would rather pretend that we know what we're doing or pretend that we're wise than rather ask for wisdom. And so there's this saying that I don't know who came up with it, but I like to repeat it uh, because it really encapsulates this idea. The saying goes like this, those who pretend to know never will. Those who pretend to know never will. And obviously the meaning is, is very self-evident. Those who are trying to have this facade of wisdom actually don't attain wisdom and they never will because they can't ever break out of that mold asking for it because then their whole sham is over and people will know that they didn't know to begin with. So this is a key part of wisdom is that you actually need to ask for it. You can't pretend that you have everything down when you don't. 
And so this is why throughout the book of Proverbs, by the way, you have wisdom and humility linked hand in hand because the wise man knows he's not wise enough. And that's really the key is that that allows that humble disposition to always seek to learn, always seek to know more in life. You know, I've had a couple friends who I just really appreciate because what they exemplify in their lives is this desire to know. And they don't care. They, they don't care what they look like. They're, they're always asking people, how does this work? What is, what does this look like? Teach me something, something new. And that's such an important element to have. The, the one who desires wisdom will call out for it, will pursue it. That's what's being exemplified and taught in Proverbs too, is that if you want wisdom, if you want the fear of the Lord, you humble yourself, you cry out for it, you ask for it because wisdom is there to be found. But it takes that humble disposition with that, with that acknowledgement that you actively call out for it. Along with that, something that's obvious, uh, in verse four as well is that it must be pursued as something that's immensely valuable. And this is where I think sometimes we just miss the boat because we say, Oh, I really want wisdom. And the next question is, well, how valuable is it to you? Is it valuable enough that you would wake up at 5 a.m. to go to go to a Bible study and get wisdom there? Is it valuable enough to you that you would listen to sermons or Bible lectures or podcasts? Is, is that valuable enough that you could spend your time seeking wisdom? Well, I've known people who, for example, on Black Friday in the United States, we have all these great sales after Thanksgiving. I've known people who will get in line for those and stand for a day. But for wisdom, nah, they won't get up at 5 a.m. to go to go to a Bible study. They, they won't do that kind of thing. But hey, if it's to get a good deal on sneakers, they're all in. Well, my friends, obviously that is the epitome of folly. If you are willing to do something so temporary and so really non-lasting, I mean, that's, well, you've, you've made your choice and you'll reap what you sow, as they say. And so wisdom, as we think about it, must be something you sacrifice for and pursue. Now notice this is an attitude. He's not saying, he's not saying that you need to sacrifice this or sacrifice. The implication is that you will know what you sacrifice. And there are certain things in life that we are willing to sacrifice anything for. You know, forget my cars, forget my house, forget my money. I'm willing to sacrifice all of that for wisdom. And that's what he's pointing out here is that true wisdom, when you understand the value of wisdom, you seek it like you would silver. You seek for it as you would hidden treasure. This is exactly the kind of principle Jesus brings up in Matthew 13 when he talks about the value of the kingdom of heaven. And he says that the kingdom of heaven is as if someone finds a pearl of great price and he sells everything that he has just so he can buy that field and have that pearl. Well, that's the same principle here for wisdom is that we must pursue wisdom knowing its value, willing to give up anything that we do not need in order to attain this wisdom and even being willing to give up things that we might need but are of lesser value for wisdom. And so that's really key here is that we must seek it, seek it actively, seek it with fervor. That is when true wisdom is found. Notice that's the result in verse five. Now, this is the promise of attaining wisdom. 
So the first uh, ver four verses are the process for attaining wisdom, and then verses five and following are the promise. So then in verse five, we say, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and then you will find knowledge of God. See, if you do what has just been laid out in verses one through four, then you will understand and find knowledge about God. Now, this is actually a really simple and yet profound point, and this is the entire point of this episode on the podcast, is... Understanding what he's saying is he's saying, listen, verses one through four are all about the effort. And if you put in the effort, ta-da, you will have wisdom. And so it, it's really, I mean, it's, it's not, this is what I love about biblical wisdom. And this is just amazing how God has designed life because Solomon doesn't say here, you know what? You need to read this many books. You need to go to this many sermons. You need to, uh, have this many wise friends that you hang out with. No, he doesn't sit, he doesn't give you a checklist to go down the list like that. He says, no, you put in the effort for wisdom. If you truly are seeking wisdom, all those things that I just mentioned, like going to sermons, reading scripture, all these things, those are going to happen because you know wisdom is found there and you're going to get wisdom. See, the real key is to want wisdom and to seek wisdom. And then you will have it. You will have the wisdom. You will understand the fear of the Lord. You will find knowledge of God. It's kind of, I like to refer to biblical patterns like this as self-fulfilling paradigms or self-fulfilling prophecies. It's similar. I, I like to explain it this way. If you want to work on humility, you pray for humility and you ask God to help you be humble. And if you're praying for humility constantly, then when there's an opportunity to be humble, guess what? You think about it because it's been on your mind so much because you're praying for it. So in one sense, the actual prayer becomes God's means of helping you accomplish that. So this is similar, is that if you're always seeking wisdom and always trying to glean that, well, you get it because you observe it, you see it, you, you are just really soaking it up in every single area of life. So if we think about it like this, the beginning of wisdom is actually to pursue wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is to want it and to be convinced that this is a worthwhile pursuit. So simple, so simple, yet incredibly profound. And of course, it requires sacrifice. Of course, it requires this important evaluation. And so obviously the only one who puts his hand to the plow will have anything to show for it. You know, that our, our life, our culture is filled with those who pursue video games, who pursue, uh, their careers, who pursue any number of things, their hobbies, etc. But who is really pursuing wisdom? Who is the one who wants that more than anything? That is the one who will be wise, who will reap what they sow. Now, notice this as well in verse 6. Obviously, this is just the icing on the cake, as it were. The explanation in verse 6 for why this all works the way it does is that the Lord gives wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In other words, you can be assured that this process works, and it's by his design because it's the Lord who gives wisdom, and he's the one who gives knowledge and understanding. And by the way, something I didn't put too much of an emphasis on prior, but that last phrase in verse five, find knowledge of God, that goes back to what we talked about earlier is that when you have the fear of the Lord, when you truly know who God is, that's going to impact your lifestyle, going to impact how you live. And 
in reality, then when you're pursuing wisdom, when you're reaping all of these observations and blessings through a lifestyle of pursuit in wisdom, you're going to know more about God and that's going to influence how you live. And that's really important. And then obviously in verse six, then the foundation for that is, well, it's the Lord who's giving this. The source of wisdom is God. Obviously, we are so blessed uh, because he has inscripturated wisdom and given it to us through revelation. And by the way, that's a, that's a side point. It's, but it's worth mentioning, uh, part of, part of my studies, obviously, in Old Testament literature have been on wisdom literature. And one of the interesting things when you think about wisdom is it can come really from a variety of sources. You can observe things like, uh, consider the ant, thou sluggard, and be wise, who, you know, she prepares for, uh, for when there is nothing by laying aside things when there is something, right? That's observing nature and seeing wisdom in that regard. But one of the, and you can learn from counselors, etc. But one of the things that we need to acknowledge is that true wisdom only comes from God in the sense, in the sense that it's completely verifiable and it is non-biased and it cannot be corrupted. What I mean by that is I could observe something, but I could take away the wrong lesson or somebody could tell me a bad piece of advice. So those are not infallible means of wisdom, but scripture being the direct revelation of God and his law and his, his true wisdom, that is infallible. It is directly from the source. It cannot be corrupted unless maybe I misunderstand it or my, I misinterpret it, but that's my fault. It at its core and just on the very surface, it is, it is completely valid, completely truthful, infallible, inerrant, etc. So that's something to keep in mind is that if you want the best wisdom, sure, you could read all these books from these gurus in every different area of life, but you read scripture and you have the best kind of wisdom, the the best foundation for wisdom, which comes directly from God. By the way, one of my favorite passages of scripture, Psalm 119, says this the best way, because I know your law, I am wiser than all my teachers. Wow. Like how much clearer can you get? than that. It's it's God's word, God's law, which makes you wiser than all those who teach you because wisdom comes from that. Now, the last part that we'll note uh, in this passage, although chapter two goes on to expound on the glories of wisdom, in verse seven and eight says, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. In other words, wisdom is a gift to the righteous from God, their protector. Let me say that again. Wisdom is a gift to the righteous from God, their protector. See, there's so many benefits here that we've just even begun to look at. And then it goes on further on in the passage. We, we understand that. But don't lose sight of this is that wisdom is God's gift to those who seek it and to those who walk in integrity. I mean, that that's in and of itself, that is a motivation to walk in faithfulness to the Lord in and of itself, because this is a blessing to those who walk faithfully with the Lord. This is something he wants to give them, true wisdom. Now, at the beginning of this episode, we looked at Proverbs 4, just talking about the value of wisdom, where we saw that the father is admonishing uh, those who would listen and says, hey, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget it. Do not turn aside from the words of my mouth. Well, the question that we wanted to raise and which I think we've answered in looking looking through Proverbs 2 is how does one get wisdom? 
But if we look back at Proverbs 4, it's interesting how he solidifies that. So we we just read verse 5, but if you go on in 6 and 7, in verse 7, it says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. You know, I just think that's so funny. And I, I I used to have a problem with that maybe when I, maybe that's part of what led to this whole thinking on this issue of how to how to pursue and get wisdom is what an odd statement the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom and in other words if you want to be wise go get it you know that's going to require sacrifice that's going to require a price to be paid but it's not as simple as saying, read this many books, talk to this many people, do this, do X, Y, and Z. No, it's just saying, if you want it, go get it. And because you are being consumed by that desire for wisdom, you will attain it. And you will live a righteous life. You will live a life that has true biblical wisdom as exemplified by Proverbs and the other wisdom literatures. So I hope that this has been helpful for you. Maybe you haven't thought of wisdom quite like that before, but I wanted to share that with you and hope that it was helpful. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments or questions, please email them to me at peter at petergaiman.com. If you want to find more information on the podcast or about me, visit petergaiman.com. For more information on Shepherd Seminary, visit shepherds.edu. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. 